Hi, this is Dominic Pace from the new Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, and you're listening to the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Hey there, everyone. This is Rob, host of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, and I just wanted to let you know about our latest sponsor, Audible Books. If you're looking for a great way to enjoy your favorite books, I would check out Audible. Uh, certainly, I am a user of Audible. I have listened to a number of audiobooks. I've always got several queued up on my account, and it's just a great way to enjoy a wonderful book while you're driving, while you're working, uh, and any other time you may not be able to actually crack a physical book. So, uh, certainly with Star Wars books, they have the benefit of having Mark Thompson, who does a number of great uh, voices for the characters in those Audible uh, audiobooks, and. I personally think it's a great value. So if you want to try out Audible and support the podcast, go out to audibletrial.com forward slash JTA podcast and sign up for a one month free trial. You'll get not only one free book, but you'll also have access to up to two Audible originals per month, plus all the other content that they have available, including podcast, comedy, and so much more. So again, go out and check them out. One month free trial. You'll get to keep that free Audible title that you select. If you cancel any time within the first month, you won't be billed. And uh, once again, it's a great way not only to entertain yourself with an audiobook, but also to support our podcast. Uh, so again, audibletrial.com com forward slash JTA podcast and take advantage of this great offer that we have gotten in conjunction with Audible. Thanks so much for listening and on with the show. Welcome to episode 50 of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and I am here once again with my friend and co-host, Tom, from the Hyperion Adventures podcast, among others. Uh, Tom, welcome back to the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Thank you, Rob. Among others, like I'm doing a hundred different podcasts, that's what it seems like lately, but it's so good to be back aboard the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Yeah, I know you guys always, uh, you're always kind of working in episodes with other shows, so... I don't want to uh, don't want to try to list them all off because I know it's been quite a few, but uh, you definitely you definitely have made your rounds, especially on the Disney side of things, for sure. We have a lot of great friends out there. You share a lot of those same friends and we've enjoyed spending time with them, just like I, I, I enjoy spending time with you here again on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Yeah, well, it's good to have you back. I know Michelle is out there uh, doing her part in the battle against that uh, the pandemic that's kind of sweeping the entire world. 
Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the fact that, you know, she's definitely one of those frontline warriors. So uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to all the folks out there who are putting themselves at risk in order to help others. And uh, certainly a lot of a lot of, um, you know, respect for the for the people that are willing to do that. And Tom and I are kind of on the back lines doing what we can to shelter in place. And uh, I know, Tom, uh, you're probably doing what you can to help make Michelle's evenings just a little bit more relaxing. Yeah, I, she is very much uh, not exactly on the front lines, but just behind the front lines. And I am way back behind it, just kind of <laughs> supporting her, making sure she's hydrated, making sure she's fed. And uh, hopefully we get through this uh, sooner rather than later so we can get to some sort of normalcy. But in the meantime, at least we have some uh, some good Star Wars to talk about, right? Absolutely, yeah. So we've uh, we've kind of made our way through the first eight episodes of season seven. Uh, kind of gone through a couple of different story arcs, one with uh, the clones and and finding Echo uh, still alive, as well as the most recent arc with uh, Ahsoka and the Martez sisters. And regardless of what your feelings are on the entire first two two acts of this final season, I think that everyone's going to be in agreement that this last four episode arc is going to be kind of, um, you know, the the thing that everyone's been waiting for and the reason that that we wanted Clone Wars saved, uh, which is going to be with Ahsoka kind of having her last interaction, uh, at least pre-fall, with Anakin and uh, taking part in the Siege of Mandalore and the events that follow. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it, I enjoyed so far what we've gone through in this part of the Clone Wars. It, it's kind of putting the pieces back in place. And, you know, I mean, yeah, d- does it seem a little disjointed? Did we want to kind of rush to, to get to this point? Uh, sure, of course we did. But this is kind of the way the Clone Wars has been. They've always had these different story arcs to go through. And like I, I said, I, I, I just enjoy kind of finding out uh, where Anakin's been, where Obi-Wan's been, where Rex has been, and then where what Ahsoka Tano's been up to a little bit. And now we get to the meat of it, you know, exactly that we're probably in this next episode going to be the seeing the scene that goes way back to when we first saw the trailer for hashtag Clone Wars saved back at San Diego Comic-Con. I back in, I think it was 2018, but uh, this is definitely what we've all been waiting for. And it should be an exciting uh, last four episodes of this final season of the Clone Wars for sure. Absolutely. And uh, we are recording this episode on Wednesday, April 8th, or April 15th. I almost said 18th. Uh, 15th, so not tax day this year, although it normally would be. I'm sure uh, people have mixed feelings about the reprieve. But, um, you know, getting into this storyline, uh, initially I had some thoughts about, about doing an episode on a different topic. But looking at what we're about to dive into in Clone Wars, it is just such... It's such an epic end to uh, the story that's been told throughout the Clone Wars, and it would I'd be a little bit remiss to not go back and kind of set up a little bit of what's going on, especially with regards to Bo-Katan Cries and uh, her kind of revealing herself to Ahsoka at the end of this last episode and asking for her assistance with the Siege of Mandalore. Uh, so we're going to get into that. We're going to kind of talk about the backstory um, of Bo-Katan and the group of Mandalorians that she runs with who are called the Night Owls. Uh, they're kind of a, a specialized group of commandos within the kind of militarized portion of the Mandalorians. And, uh, you know, she's got a pretty interesting past. So I think there's a lot of interesting things to uncover here. Uh, we're not going to go into her uh, her appearances within uh, Star Wars Rebels, which is a whole nother bucket of, of 
cool scenes and and great storylines. But certainly what we're going to do is set up exactly what is going to play out here in the next four episodes. Yeah, she has quite a history. Uh, And one thing about the Clone Wars, if you've I mean, if you've picked it up now, you should go back and and watch earlier because uh, Mandalore comes into play through various seasons, through many different story arcs. And uh, yeah, Bo-Katan is, is a big part of that as our Death Watch, our extreme part of that. And uh, it's really, really some interesting stuff to go through. And it, it is leading to obviously what we have coming up in these next four episodes. Yeah. And just to kind of set it up at a high level, I mean, I think the thing that that people, whether you've watched Clone Wars and it was quite some time ago, or whether you've never watched earlier seasons of the Clone Wars, the thing to know about the Mandalorians, it's easy to fall into this trap of thinking that they've always kind of been this militarized group and certainly that has been their history but within the stretch of the clone wars that that most of what we deal with is the fact that the mandalorians and the planet of mandalore is run by satine cries who is uh who is bo-katan's sister and who is very much uh, the head of a pacifist movement and at the time of the Clone Wars, for the most part, what we see on Mandalore is a very peaceful society. Um, the group that is the militarized group, which Tom referred to earlier as Death Watch, is definitely a splinter group. And they're uh, certainly not representative of what's going on on Mandalore overall. So uh, these Mandalorian super commandos that we see uh, within the Mandalorian, within, you know, Boba Fett and, and Jango Fett having that Mandalorian armor, although there's, you know, certainly... Um, a school of thought that neither of them are truly Mandalorians or not recognized by Mandalore as being Mandalorians. Uh, you know, they are the exception to the rule at this particular point in time. And we certainly see that shift throughout the Clone Wars. Uh, but it's a different take on Mandalorians than I think a lot of people are used to and, and certainly what they expect. Yeah, I mean, because most of what you know about Mandalorians is the armor, right? And it's the armor that's kind of built to, to uh, really actually to battle Jedi. It's it's built to kind of uh, uh, render useless a lot of the skills that the Jedi have or to defeat them or, you know, it's again we talked about uh, you know Boba Fett as being Star Wars Batman or whatever and that's basically what these Mandalorian armor is in many regards they're just so many different little tools and instruments that they can use within it to to fight all the time so that's what you think about Mandalore but in truth once there was a civil war back in uh, the day that actually Obi-Wan played a part in and uh, that helped to bring about the new Mandalorian government uh, run by uh, Duchess Satine or as, as portion of the leadership of this group and they were very much trying to lead on the road of pacifism and that actually they even wanted to stay out of the entire clone wars they'd wanted to uh remain neutral as much as possible yeah it's i mean it's certainly such a small portion of the overall timeline of the mandalorians uh and the planet of mandalore and and certainly uh you know not the norm uh but it is what it is within this particular phase of the clone wars and kind of how we get introduced to bo katan uh within the clone wars is during an arc in season four um where ahsoka and padme are sent off to deal with the separatists and kind of uh, work on uh, negotiations with them. And one of the junior senators on the separatist side, Lux Bonteri, who, um, you know, there's kind of a, an interesting uh, relationship between he and Ahsoka. Um, it seems like there's a little bit more there than, than just a casual relationship. Ahsoka seems to certainly be interested in this young man and, and that seems to be reciprocated. Um, but he is very much a hothead and, 
And uh, in this particular scene or in this particular uh, episode, which is called A Friend in Need, he uh, ends up basically claiming that Count Dooku was responsible for the murder of his mother uh, in front of a bunch of separatist delegates and kind of takes off. Uh, the separatists are chasing him down. They they kind of want to bring him to heel before he reveals too much about their relationship with Dooku. And uh, Ahsoka intervenes, saves him, throws him on a Republic shuttle, and is going to take him back to Coruscant uh, to offer him amnesty. But uh, Lux kind of has other plans. He's made arrangements of his own and uh, kind of takes a different turn for he and Ahsoka. Yeah, it, it's really an interesting storyline. Actually, this is the one, as far as I know, and I, I, I haven't really completely delved back into the Clone Wars to find out, but I believe that this is the only time that Ahsoka and uh, Bo-Katan actually uh, really connect with one another. I mean, I think they see each other from distance in some other episodes and some other storylines, but this is the one time where they actually battle one another within this fight, uh, or, or within this episode, I should say, and uh, you know, really fascinating that uh, she should come back and know Ahsoka right off the get-go as we lead into what's coming up here on the the, uh, season seven of the Clone Wars, easy for me to say. Right. Yeah. There's so many of these things that are so easy to say, as, as the actors would always say, right? You can write this stuff. You just can't read it. Exactly. You can't say it. So true. <laughs> or I can think it. So, I can't say it. It's the problem. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, this this particular storyline, um, Ahsoka is kind of trusting Lux Bonteri a little bit more than she should. And he is able to get the jump on her, disarm her, uh, knock her out. And when she wakes up, the two of them are on the planet of Karlak, uh, meeting up with this group that he is made other arrangements with and we find out that turns out to be death watch itself so uh he feels like they're going to be able to get him the revenge that he desires against uh, count dooku and um you know they're certainly playing him a little bit as well but when they arrive there and ahsoka shows up with him uh that kind of raises some eyebrows among death watch they're not really sure who she is they're very suspicious of her and uh, Bo-Katan specifically is the one who's asking about her identity. And I do have a clip of that here. Hey, kid. You're late. Death Watch. <laughs> you get us what we need? Yes, I have the information with me. Who's this? I'm his... I'm his... Betrothed. Uh, right. Right. Betrothed. Little skinny, isn't she? <gasps> oh, I she wanna... serves a purpose. We leave now. The snow is coming. Uh, and that leads to that that scene that Tom was talking about earlier, um, ultimately, where, where Ahsoka and uh, Bo-Katan end up in a battle. That's two, I owe you. (laughs) 
So that pretty much wraps up that storyline with Ahsoka and Bo-Katan. Uh, you know, Bo- Ahsoka is actually able to save both herself and Lux. Uh, and we really don't have any other interactions with Bo-Katan specifically until later on in the Clone Wars when Darth Maul, or Maul uh, as he's really called at this point, having been um, kind of cast aside by Sidious in favor of Count Dooku, uh, We've actually talked about this a few episodes ago when I did the Maul episode in that uh, he and his brother, Savage, get captured by Death Watch. Should we rub them out? No. I want to hear their story. If they're an enemy of the Jedi, then they're a friend of mine. Load them up. And uh, in the process of kind of Maul working together his plan for the Shadow Collective, uh, Bo-Katan is, is the lieutenant of Pre Vizsla at this point, and she is a little bit leery of allying with, uh, with Maul specifically. Uh, she really doesn't trust him. She kind of is a little bit dismissive, I guess, of Maul and Savage because they were able to capture them, uh, and they'd been beat up pretty well by the Jedi. Um, but we have a, a clip here of some of the interactions between Bo-Katan with... Uh, when they first meet Maul. We allied ourselves with Sith before. Count Dooku, he betrayed us. Sith are no better than Jedi. They claim to be powerful, but we put these two back together after the Jedi gutted them. Doubt will only lead to failure. Hold! Our combined strength will be rewarded. Mandalore will be yours, and Kenobi, this Sith pretender Dooku, and all our enemies will fall. Check on your brother. We'll put it to a vote. So as I said, I mean, she's just talking to Maul about the fact that, uh, you know, the Jedi clearly had gotten the better of both he and his brother uh, and is is somewhat dismissive of he and and his powers and their ability to help Death Watch and their ultimate goal of kind of taking back Mandalore for themselves. Uh, And Tom, the other interesting thing about this is it's it's pretty well set up that uh, you've got two sisters on opposite sides of this issue with Mandalore. You've got uh, you've got Satine, who's very much a pacifist. And uh, especially early on when we meet Bo-Katan in the Clone Wars, she is not only a very aggressive and militaristic person, but she seems very angry as well. Yeah, and I don't know if we'll ever find out exactly what led to uh, her being you know, so against uh, what the ideas of uh, Satine, uh, you know, or, or is it just because she's just uh, following behind uh, Pre Vizsla so strongly, like she just believes in his leadership so much that she's fully I- involved in the situation and believes everything he's saying? I don't know, but it, it really is interesting. Yeah, she's, she's very angry for a good portion of this and uh, wants Mandalore to be the fighting Mandalore, the warrior Mandalore that she believes is their history and what they should always be. Right. And then uh, a little bit later on, as we kind of get into the the end game of this plan that Maul had put together uh, with Death Watch, where they had formed the Shadow Collective, Maul had pulled together all of these uh, kind of seedy underworld organizations under his control. Uh, they launched some attacks on the planet of Mandalore, and then Pre Vizsla and Death Watch came in and essentially uh, came to the quote-unquote rescue of the people of Mandalore. It was really designed to 
to not only put the people in a situation where they felt fear and that they needed Death Watch to essentially protect them, uh, but also to kind of show that Satine and her pacifist approach to everything was going to be very ineffective if anyone ever chose to, uh, you know, kind of force an issue like this with the planet of Mandalore. And so uh, they were able to overthrow Satine and establish themselves as, as the rulers of Mandalore once again, pre Vizsla specifically. Uh, and, you know, it, it, Bo-Katan at this point is still completely in line with Death Watch and, and what is going on there on the planet of Mandalore. Indeed. I'll prepare the troops. It's a risk to trust those monsters. How do we know they'll keep their end of the bargain? We need those Sith and their thugs to cause some pain and show the Mandalorian people how weak Satine really is. After this is done, no one will doubt why we're in power. Most will welcome us. Then what? Then we execute Maul and those thugs. Those criminals will scatter and Mandalore will be ours. The transition of power will be seamless. We now have the support of the people and Satine to bait Kenobi. With his demise, our deal will be complete. Your oversight requires correction. We now have a base, an army, and the means to expand to other neutral systems. It wasn't an oversight. It was intentional. I don't have an interest in the other systems. Your vision no longer matters. Oh, don't fret. I'll still honor our deal. Kenobi will be dealt with. But now you'll do as I say. The violence is over. The last of the parasites infecting Mandalore has been caught. The Duchess has abandoned her duty to protect Mandalore. Her political dream only encourages aggression against our planet. We have learned from this beast the consequences of pacifist principles. It's now time to restore the traditions of Mandalore. No one will ever threaten us again! Yeah, I mean, very, you know, it's it's what you always hear about when the, an authoritarian takes over, um, you know, various different country states, apparently planets in, in this regard, uh, the fact that yeah, you sell the fear and then you show that you can somehow solve the fear or curb the fear that uh, the constituents have. And then suddenly they are all behind you. And that's definitely what uh, they were plotting out with this, uh, bringing in all these different uh, gangster clans, essentially with the, the Pike Syndicate, which I know you talked about, uh, I think it was on your last episode, and the Huts and some some various other, uh, you know, just bad guys out there coming to uh, raid Mandalore. And here comes Pre Vizsla and Death Watch to come and save the day, you know, and really all he wanted to do was just retake over uh, Mandalore itself. Yeah. Uh, and so a little bit later on in the story, we get to the point where, uh, as I did mention in that Darth Maul episode or that Maul episode, uh, he ends up 
eventually challenging Previsla uh, and defeating him in combat. And in doing so, he was able to capture the Darksaber, which it had long been kind of Mandalorian uh, lore that the holder of the Darksaber was the ruler of Mandalore. And Maul definitely declared himself that ruler. Uh, there was a, a good portion of Death Watch that allied with him immediately. Uh, but Bo-Katan and the Night Owls were very much against that. And I do have a quick little clip here of their reaction when Maul declared himself the ruler of Mandalore. I claim this sword and my rightful place as leader of Death Watch. Never! No outsider will ever rule Mandalore. If you will not join me, you will all die. You're all traitors. Unfortunately for you, history will not see it that way. Execute them. And so, you know, clearly Bo-Katan was immensely against uh, following any outsider as the leader of her planet, of her people, uh, and immediately escaped. Uh, they were able to contact Obi-Wan Kenobi, who I, uh, I know you're probably a fan of this, uh, this particular story arc, Tom, given your affiliation or your affection for, for Obi-Wan. Uh, but of course, Obi-Wan and Satine kind of had their own connection, uh, that went beyond what you would consider to be a, a purely professional one, I guess. Uh, there's no question about it, even though it, it never really gets truly shown, but it's definitely uh, you you know if you've watched enough of these episodes that come from Mandalore and how much Obi Wan is involved in in all these episodes and definitely his uh, soft place in his heart for Satine and you know Maul know knew that or at least sensed it uh, that was part of the reason because you know you know Maul he wants to get back at Obi Wan for basically cutting him in half uh, so this is all part of the plan of how he's gonna get. Obi-Wan back so we can get his revenge. And uh, that leads to uh, what's about to come. But I want to go back to one thing about Bo-Katan there. I mean, you know, you're interesting. And we, we talked about, you know, how angry she is and how much she doesn't like what was going on with the rule of Mandalore, her sister Satine, the way she's uh, making things happen there. It, it just goes to show that, yeah, I, she had a difference of opinion on how Mandalore should be. They should be this warrior, these warriors, but the fact is, when it all came down to it, she wanted a Mandalorian in charge. She wasn't going to let an outsider take over this rule and immediately uh, turned on Maul when she saw this happening. So she is dedicated to Mandalore above everything else. Absolutely. And I, I think the other interesting thing that kind of comes out of this portion of the story is that I think that in here is the answer to that question of, you know, did Obi-Wan just not know about Anakin's relationship with Padme or was he just kind of turning a blind eye to it? And I think that when you look at the relationship that Obi-Wan had with Satine uh, and the fact that there were clearly feelings both ways, but they were both people who had um, such responsibility that they felt for their individual groups, Satine for the Mandalorians and her position among them. And Obi-Wan certainly uh, had the respect for his oaths that he had taken when he became a Jedi and, and not wanting to break that code. 
And so I, I think that it really uh, explains a lot about how Obi-Wan probably looked at the relationship between Anakin and Padme. I think he saw both of them as as uh, very much mirror images of he and Satine. And while there were certainly feelings there, he would never go across that particular line. And I think he had a hard time envisioning that Anakin and Padme would cross that line. Um, so I think that, you know, beyond just showing that that Obi-Wan did have, uh, you know, those kinds of emotions as, as well as probably many other Jedi, that there was that line that they wouldn't cross and that Anakin felt like it was okay for him to. Um, and it was why it blindsided everyone so much when it, when it turned out to be the case that Anakin uh, and Padme had certainly gone beyond what would have been considered an acceptable relationship. Yeah, but I think as we've seen so far, really early, I, I believe it was episode two of season seven, we discussed it a, a few weeks back, you know, that obviously Obi-Wan did know about Padme and uh, he he had to know uh, there was a little more going on there and maybe be a little bit concerned, but also he knew in his heart that he kind of felt the same way, just like you're talking about, Rob, with Satine. And, uh, you know, maybe he wishes at times that he could have done something different and, uh, maybe changed his life slightly or changed their lives. And maybe he, you know, sees that from Anakin, who is, you know, is, is, is his apprentice, but also like his brother and, you know, he feels for him. But uh, uh, it is a really interesting interplay between seeing that Obi-Wan, because for so long, you know, if you've never watched the Clone Wars, you think Obi-Wan was you know, very strict, very much to the order. He's going to do, you know, it, but no, he, he actually had some feelings as well. Yes, he stuck to the order. He stuck to what he needed to do but he, he could tell he had some inner turmoil as well mm -hmm. yeah i think it would be completely normal for many of the jedi to do that i mean uh certainly we could go into an entire episode talking about attachment and the jedi and the fact that it's forbidden and yet it was something that was commonplace with the jedi order in a lot of ways so um you know that we'll save that for another time because that is a deep dark hole i don't want to go into mm -hmm. today but uh you know as i mentioned in the in the interest of liberating her sister once maul had taken over the planet of mandalore bo katan and her night owls launched a rescue mission death watch It's been a long time. It's okay, Auntie. She's on our side now. Why are you helping now? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. There was a time when we weren't enemies. Perhaps that time has come again. Come on. Let's go. It's all clear. Come on. We need to contact the Jedi Council. Corky, give me your comlink. It won't be any good unless we get outside the city. All other frequencies are jammed. You are all taking a terrible risk by helping me. Nothing we haven't done before. Right, Auntie? Let's get going. Is clear. Satine knew that she was going to need help to do that. She put out a request to the Jedi in order for them to uh, intervene. Unfortunately, Mandalore had this position of neutrality between both the Republic and the Separatist forces. 
Um, and so while the Jedi themselves would not intervene, uh, Obi-Wan kind of went rogue and came by himself uh, to help that attempt to free Satine. Uh, and while they were successful, eventually both Obi-Wan and Satine uh, ended up being captured. Uh, fortunately, Bo-Katan on, and her night owls uh, were able to escape. Uh, but that really led to um, the confrontation that, once again, I covered in the uh, in the Maul episode, where uh, in in the interest of getting back at Obi-Wan Kenobi for uh, all of the all of the various failings um, for both uh, Maul and his brother Savage. Instead of harming Obi-Wan, he chose to kill Satine, as you mentioned earlier, Tom. Yeah, uh, just a heart-wrenching portion of the episode. You know, you could really see... Uh, the the troubling on on Obi Wan's face when this when this all happens and you know Satine was just uh, such a great character that you know is a recurring character that appeared so many times and you could tell how much Obi Wan did care for for her and uh, when this happens it's it's it really is heart wrenching this is this story arc right here by the way if you have not watched the Clone Wars or if you have not seen it in a long time. I think before we get into these next few episodes, you may want to go back. You don't need to watch everything, but this story arc right here, uh, I think it's just three episodes, uh, really, I think is going to lead very much into what we're about to see and and it would be a good refresher to your memory if you haven't, if you have seen it in the past or if you've not seen it at all, just to kind of, uh, I know we're under, we're explaining a little bit of it to just, just understand more of what is happening on Mandalore and where we may be going. Right. And so, so kind of the the end of this arc plays out where uh, Obi-Wan is still in the hands of Maul. Uh, Maul has killed Satine. Uh, certainly, that was really where we started to see a true change in Bo-Katan's character because first, you know, as you mentioned, she was very much against an outsider having control of the planet. But I don't think that despite all of the disagreements she had with her sister from an idealistic standpoint, uh, you know, Maul killing her sister uh, very much solidified her in terms of wanting to get revenge against him. Uh, she was then involved in freeing Obi-Wan uh, from the prison. I don't believe we've met. You are... Bo-Katan. I'm here to rescue you. That's all you need to know. Sounds good to me. You ever use one of these before? No, but in this case, I'm a fast learner. Let's go. Maul must really want you dead. You have no idea. And then requested that Obi-Wan take word back to the Republic uh, about the fact that Maul was was holding the planet. And uh, she was really hoping that the Republic would intervene uh, in helping Mandalore and also causing the death of Maul. Go back to your Republic and tell them what has happened. That would likely lead to a Republic invasion of Mandalore. 
Yes, and Maul will die. But Mandalore will survive. We always survive. Now go. Your Satine's sister, aren't you? I'm so sorry. Despite the fact that it ends up taking about a year for that to occur, that is the series of events that we are creeping up on here very quickly uh, within Clone Wars Season 7. Yeah, I mean, the episode finishes out with an epic uh, lightsaber battle. I don't know if you want to get into it. It's for spoiler reasons, but there is an epic battle uh, that happens near the end, and uh, it finishes up very much leading into... Uh, something that I think is going to lead into this that, uh, you know, is putting the pieces in place. As we've talked about before, these episodes are putting pieces in place. Uh, this arc, uh, I think, definitely led into that when you get to the end of that episode. Yeah. Why don't you go into that lightsaber battle a little bit? I don't I don't think that, um, you know, the Clone Wars has been out for a while. I think most people um, have probably seen it. This is really more a refresher just to help everyone remember uh, the events that led up to this, this siege of Mandalore that we're about to see. So I don't really have any issue with kind of diving into that uh, because it was certainly a, a critical point in this episode. Well, since I just mentioned some people that maybe if you haven't seen this, uh, he's had this arc before, uh, you should go back or watch it. Or if you haven't seen it in a while, you know, go for a refresher. Maybe you want to skip ahead a few minutes here because this is really an epic part of the episode. Uh, but it, what really happens is near the end of this episode, uh, Darth Sidious uh, appears down there and quickly you see Maul bow before my master, you know, and I did all this to try and, you know, win back your favor. But Sidious sees right through that. Nope. Uh, they get into an epic lightsaber battle between um, between Sidious and Maul and Oppress. And uh, eventually uh, Sidious ends up killing uh, Maul's brother. The oppress and just ends up winning this battle and you see at the end that him telling Maul look I'm not going to kill you I'm going to make you suffer but I have another uh, something planned for you coming up and that's just kind of where the episode leaves he's giving him the force lightning uh, torturing him but he, apparently he has something in mind that he wants Maul to do probably has something to do with what we have coming up here on Clone War Season 7 yeah and actually uh, that particular arc that, that you're talking about after he is captured by Palpatine is something that we did deal with in that Maul episode. So definitely if you want a refresher on that, go back and listen to that episode. Um, it does involve uh, members of the Death Watch that were loyal to Maul, uh, essentially coming and freeing him from the prison that Palpatine had put him in. And so by the time that we get to the Siege of Mandalore, Maul is back in control of the planet. Uh, and that is why uh, it is still imperative that the Republic come and kind of uh, free Mandalore and fulfill the promise uh, that Obi-Wan had made to take that information back to the Republic in hopes of of uh, liberating the planet of Mandalore from Darth Maul or yeah, Maul. From Maul, yeah. And still uh, many of Death Watch still, uh, you know, in his court, still on his side. So it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for these last four episodes. I can't wait for, for Friday to show up. I, I am very much looking forward to seeing what comes next. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, w what the Jedi think of seeing Ahsoka again what obi-wan thinks of course what anakin thinks but also you know with bo katan there i mean they've been fighting many times with bo uh what 
do they feel about her being a part of this? It's going to be interesting. And we also know that there's something else that's going to draw their attention away uh, that is going to be quite, uh, you know, a, a very thought provoking, very uh, interesting to see how they all deal with what's about to come. Yep. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see as well uh, how much overlap they have with Revenge of the Sith, where we're seeing. Um, maybe events that occur within that film from a different point of view. I know for sure we're going to see certain events from a different point of view, but uh, you know, to kind of get a different perspective on some of those things. And, and if that's going to in turn kind of change the way we watch that film when we go back and view it again. Well, that's what the Clone Wars has done for us so far is when you go back and watch many of these, ep- or many of the original, especially the, the prequel trilogy, uh, you know, my viewpoint on it has definitely been changed by the Clone Wars so much. And, and uh, I appreciate it that much more because of it. And and I appreciate the characters uh, within it that much more because of it. And I feel for those characters that much more when things happen within the, the prequel trilogy, more than just if you've watched the films themselves. And, you know, again, here comes our weekly uh, delve into why if you have not watched the Clone Wars you should watch the Clone Wars well uh, we, we I mean we had to get away I mean we, you know we have a streak going right uh, right, right. <laughs> right? so so uh, that's why it, it just brings so much more depth to all these characters within the prequel trilogy and within the entire uh, Skywalker saga for that matter yep you certainly get a lot more appreciation for for the loss that Obi-Wan has experienced within that kind of last year uh, leading up to Order 6 66, you know, having lost Satine, who was his kind of the love that that he could never truly realize, uh, you know, then losing Anakin, then losing all of his his brothers within the order. um, And then to see him still functioning and still carrying out his duties as a Jedi, uh, you know, years later, you just have that much more respect for him. And I I think that's going to be an interesting thing for them to uh, dive into uh, when we get to that Kenobi series that hopefully uh, will make it to Disney Plus, uh, you know, within the next next year or so but we shall see i know that there's been all kinds of issues with uh with those shows and getting things on track so i think we're gonna get a little delay on that unfortunately i keep wanting it to be like okay we're in film we're starting to film or whatever but you know obviously there's we're dealing with a different world right now and hopefully when things settle down we can start really getting things in motion and i'm very excited you know me you know me and obi-wan i i can't wait for the kenobi series and i i think that you know delving into like you said rob a lot of these issues that are weighing on him uh, after what he's had to be witness to and, and you know the loss that he's sustained uh within the you know near the end of the clone wars and revenge of the sith is it could be an, an interesting part of that series for sure so it's exciting. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think uh, that in the Cassian Andor series is going to be amazing. Uh, I would love to hear from our listeners uh, if you guys have any thoughts on what you're looking most forward to within this last four episode uh, arc of the Clone Wars and the Siege of Mandalore. Uh, so please reach out to us. You can get a hold of us on social media at JTA Podcast. Most likely on Twitter is where you can typically find me, as well as via email at JTA Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can find all our episodes out on jtapodcast.com. So looking forward to hearing from you guys. Tom, why don't you go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you and your podcast, which is not just Disney. It includes Star Wars, Marvel, and all kinds of other uh, awesome topics that I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of enjoyment out of. 
Oh, thank you, Rob. Yeah, uh, we do talk a lot of Star Wars on our sh- on our show. Uh, my wife is a st- huge Star Wars fan. I'm obviously a huge Star Wars fan. We also talk, like you said, Marvel, a lot of Disney about the movies, the parks. Uh, you know, if you have trips that you're planning on taking eventually when this all settles down, uh, we have a lot of tips for you on how to make the best of that. And you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Podcast.com. And if you want to follow us socially, we're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Terrific. Thank you so much for joining me once again this week. Uh, hopefully everyone out there, stay safe, stay healthy. If you've got people uh, within your family or, or people that you know, friends, relatives, whatever, uh, who are in, in, a, in a rough spot due to the current pandemic, we uh, wish the very best for them. And hopefully we'll get everything back on track here shortly. So uh, you all have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and may the force be with you. Thank you.